millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Good check for me. Checkity-check, pencils and penises, robot penises. Pencils and robot penises. Yes. Alright. <laughs> okay. Um, whenever you're ready. Hey everybody, welcome to Beyond Terrestrial Podcast, your home for the strange, macabre, conspiratorial, and all-around supernatural. Recording to you from the Bell Witch's backyard, I'm your host, Lee Eric, and I'm alongside Mike Roop. Mike. How are Lee, you? Lee, how's it going? Good. Good. It's Good nice to, to see, see you today. Yeah, it's, a lovely, uh, it's a lovely Saturday afternoon here, nice and sunny outside. The, yeah. weather's, the weather's nice. It was nice today. Cool, yeah. but not too cool. Right, right. Really, really nice. Um, anyhow, um, today's episode, we are going into, finally... We're getting into some alien content. You I think know. with a name like Beyond Terrestrial, we would have gotten into this a while ago. And it's even worse <laughs> that our logo actually represents it's that an alien. pretty well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, no, today we're going to be getting into um, a very famous Air Force operation started back in the 50s called Operation Blue Book. Operation Blue Book, yeah. Blue Book. Yeah. So, uh, for those of you that are not aware of what that is, of what that is, um, it was uh, as stated on their Wikipedia page. Uh, Project Blue Book was one, was one of a series of systematic studies of unidentified flying objects conducted by the United States Air Force. It started in 1952, and it was the third study of its kind. The first two projects were sign in 1947 and grudge in 1949 which we're also going to get into right a little bit i mean there's not a whole lot about sign and grudge out there uh-huh. um but both of them were quit started up and then shut down pretty quick and then replaced yeah. with another one uh and then it just seemed like every time they brought one up they shut it down real quick and then they came out with another one mm-hmm. so yeah so uh it looks like it ended in 1969 so, yeah. um, anyhow, um, give us a little bit more, Lee, if you would, about um, the specifics of Project Blue Book. So, Project Blue Book was created with two goals in mind, to determine if UFOs were a threat to national security and to scientifically analyze UFO-related data. Now, of those reports they went through many different reports they went through thousands of ufo reports it was over twelve thousand, right yes um 
I don't have it on my thing, but I it was thousands of UFO reports were collected, analyzed, and filed. Um, and throughout this, they answered three questions according to the official answer. Mm-hmm. One was that no UFO reported, investigated, or and evaluated by the Air Force was ever indicated to be a threat to national security. Number two was that there was no evidence submitted or discovered by the Air Force that sightings categorized as unidentified represented technologies, technological development, or principles beyond the range of modern scientific knowledge. And then in number three, there's no evidence to indicate that sightings categorized as unidentified were extraterrestrial vehicles. Now, the only one that I personally agree with out of that is number three. Mm-hmm. There is no technical proof saying that it has to be an alien that's driving these vehicles. Right. But there's many different situations that we'll get into later yeah. um, that that can represent a national security or that In represent... Or that represent an ability that we don't currently know that we have. Right. And I think one important distinction with this, too, is that um, when it was shut down, they shut it down on the grounds that the conclusion was that these UFOs were not a threat to national security. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it wasn't worth them keeping the project open any longer. Yeah. So... That doesn't necessarily say that they came to the conclusion that the UFO phenomenon is not real Mm -hmm. because they researched thousands and thousands of them. Mm -hmm. But um, but it it does state that it was not national, you know, a threat to national security, which, yeah, we will get into where. Well, and I mean, it even states in that third statement that um, sightings categorized as unidentified were not extraterrestrial vehicles. Okay. I mean, yeah, I think that's but, fair. But, you know, but, but what I'm saying is that's saying that there were uh, things there that were they could not be, explain, mm-hmm, yeah. but they're just like, oh, well, it doesn't look like it's going to... didn't see gonna, the aliens. Didn't see the aliens and doesn't look like it's going to cause us any issues. Yeah. Um. So uh, I that's guess the, we're good. That, that's like, the, that's the, yeah, that's the, the layman's way of saying it, you know. Yeah. Although if they did find some extraterrestrials, you know damn well they're not saying anything about it. Of course, They're, they would never say anything about it. That would people would lose their shit. They would go mm-hmm. crazy if, like, it was real. Mm-hmm. They came out and said, "This is real, full fledged." We now, for some of us, we've seen things that mm-hmm. would be qualified as real, so mm-hmm. we believe in that. But the general public might not, you know. Yeah. So I mean, if they, the general public was on board, I mean. A couple, a couple of situations might happen, in my opinion. Either people freak out or people unite in a really big way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because But historically, has that ever happened? That's the only well, issue. Well, we've never really had anything that huge, you know? I mean, at least in our modern times, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, in history, they, you know... In civilizations, they've talked about um, their gods coming down and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. maybe for them, that was like this. But also, I tend to think that a lot of those were extraterrestrials themselves. But um, Well, yeah, I mean... That's... I don't want to get too far off of <laughs> Project Blue Book, you know. But, mm-hmm. um, um, but yeah, but think about this. 
if aliens were to come down, that would be the one thing that finally unites the world. Because well, we are not Christians and Muslims and Jews and blacks all, and whites and atheists beings. and agnostics and Chinese and whatever. We're all human beings, just like you say. Well, the only issue I've got with that is in our current and don't not to get too political, but I feel like we need a president that can tell a speech in more than 122 characters. Yeah, no shit. Um, so it would be just great for something of that nature. Yeah. Uh, if we had somebody that could guide us in that direction, I think, yeah, uni- getting united and really coming together to um, for the greater good, if we had a Churchill or somebody like that that could, yeah. you know, maybe not the best person in the world, but at least can... A, a um, great leader, yeah. ...can lead. Um, I think it, then, I, I think it, you know, and yeah, we won't go on the politics side too, too much, but, you know, it's... Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to... No, no, that's no, that's perfect. Curveball is, but on that same point, um, I don't. That's above. That's above the president of the United States. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But somebody in the in the leadership role, somebody's going to have to take. Somebody's going to have to take those reins, and typically, it's usually somebody from the United States that really kind of makes that leap. When you're talking about a great global threat. It's somebody from it, and I'm not trying to, you know, be nationalistic or anything like that. But you've seen it in multiple world wars. Yeah. It, you know, it's the United States and a couple other major um, countries that mm-hmm. really take that leap and say we need to unite and and Let me stop just, this threat. You know, like I think there's a lot of problems in the country, and like you know, like yeah, I mean, neither of us are big Trump fans or anything like that, but. Um, I would hope it was the United States that took control at that point, you know. Maybe it's just because it's all I know rather than, mm-hmm. like, you know, Russia or China or some other superpower in the world, you know. Well, and, I mean, there's other there's other powers out there of that I there could – I mean, there's Britain could come in or – Yeah, I mean – Heck, I mean, even Germany or some other countries. biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> would you like some tea? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> now, first of all, before we get too far into this, I just want to say – that I I know that the government knew more than they let the American people know mm-hmm. because they they published a documentary series about it. Yeah. Yeah, where, you know, William Shatner runs around banging alien chicks. Right. And then they, they did a follow series, up. Right? Yeah, yeah. It was uh not William Shatner runs around banging alien <laughs> chicks. And um then his captain, um Patrick Stewart, yeah. you know, gives them tea. Right. So so why are we denying conf- this now? I'm getting conflicting signals. Here, I, you know? <laughs> we're, we're, I don't know what to believe anymore. We're denying the fact that aliens exist when they're showing us on these documentaries. <laughs> yeah, we've seen Unacceptable. it. Unacceptable. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyhow, so let's let's go back to the beginning a little bit with Project Sign. Um, can you tell our lovely two listeners... <laughs> I think we've got what? three now. We got three. We officially have twenty-four downloads on our um, site. So awesome. That's, uh, I think about half of them are us, but probably that's okay. Yeah, but uh, still, that means there's twelve. Exactly. Yeah. Look at that. Project Sign was started in 1947, and it po- followed widely publicized UFO reports. And things of those were like the um, Kenneth Arnold report. Do you remember anything about that one? 
Um, I don't think so. Um, I actually did not research that one specifically, but I think that the Kenneth Arnold report, and please don't crucify me if I'm wrong, people out there, um, I believe that one was the one where there was a pilot flying over, um, I believe it was northern um, Washington, and he claimed to see um, discs, and they or flying discs, mm-hmm. and they seemed like they were skipping like saucers would on water. Um, yeah, I've heard this. And that's where the whole flying saucer thing came from. Yeah. Was because yeah, he was using sure. that as a as an example to show their type of movement rather than right. um, what they actually looked like. Right. Um, so I think that was the Kenneth Arnold one. Um, I'm going to do a quick little glance at that real quick and yeah. see. Okay, so here we go. From the official Wikipedia, and I understand Wikipedia has its positives and negatives but i do personally believe wikipedia is good for the um factor of because it's crowd filled um yes it can be trolled but it's also fixed fairly quickly oh yeah people 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 will edit it real quick exactly so people can troll stuff in there and they can make it whatever they want it to be Mm -hmm. but it's fixed fairly quickly and it and having that it's like crowdfunding you have a crowd of people combining as much knowledge as possible yeah i try and have a little more faith in humanity sometimes exactly. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> so kenneth a arnold um was an american aviator and businessman best known for making what is generally considered the first wildly widely reported unidentified flying object sighting in the u.s after claiming he's seen nine unusual objects flying in tandem near Mount Rainier, Washington in June of 1947. The sighting on June of 1947 while flying near Mount Rainier in Washington state, Arnold claimed to see nine unusual flying, unusual objects flying in the skies. Arnold claimed to have seen these um, UFOs on subsequent occasions. A quote from him is, well, right here, we've seen something I've seen something. Hundreds of pilots have seen something in the skies. We have difficulty reporting these things, and we have to have 15 million witnesses before anybody is going to look at the problem. Well, this is utterly fantastic. This is more fantastic than flying saucers or people from Venus or anything as far as I'm concerned. So that's a quote directly from him. He believed that he's not the only one that's seen it. He's just one of the first people to report it. To report it, yeah. There are so many reports from pilots. Well, yes. It's insane. And then we just dismiss them. Or, Why? Right? Why are we dismissing them? Or we try those? to ignore them. Those are the people that are, are you know, or, that are in the air. You know, mm-hmm. they see things they can't explain. These aren't stupid people. These are pilots. It's These the are same thing we said about pilots. the Bigfoot thing, where right. um, hunters are the ones that are out Skilled and the most connected to our woods. And when they're saying they're seeing something, we're like, "Nah, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're just you a hillbilly." What you're talking about. Well, now we're saying that to pilots. Nah, you're wrong. You're it's just crazy. a you're just a highly educated and well trained person that knows how to fly an aerial yeah. ship of our own. Yeah. You're you're not smart enough to know what a flying saucer is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's people don't want to, and I think this is very very obvious to most people. But people don't want to accept things they can't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, um. so going back to Project Sign, it was officially closed, um, and it was 
considered inconclusive regarding the cause of the sightings. Um, however, according to the U.S. Air Force, Captain Edward J. Ruppelt, uh, he's also the first director of Project Blue Book. We'll get into that here in just a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, signs intelligence agents estimate that the so-called es- or the so-called estimation of the situation, written in late summer of 1948, concluded that flying saucers were real craft and were not made by either the Soviet Union or the United States, and were likely e- extraterrestrial in origin. So the first one was shut down. Once again, related to Ruppelt, and I want to, I, I, I will well, get a little bit more into that here in just a moment. It was direct. It was it was directly the president who had shut it down. I can't, who's who's the president at that time? I, I can't remember exactly. While you look for that, I'm going to go into um, the sec se, the successor of Project Sign, which was Project Grudge, which was criticized for having a debunking mandate. Ruppelt referred to the era of Project Grudge as the Dark Ages of early U.S. Air Force UFO investigation. Grudge concluded that all UFO sightings were a natural phenomenon or other misrepresentations or misinterpretations. Although it's also stated that 23% of the reports could not be explained. So that tells me right there that I'm starting to see a connection personally Mm -hmm. um that they they have a research project they think it's going to go one way they're convinced it's going to go one way for them and that research project doesn't Mm -hmm. they're like oh well now it looks like now it looks like this might be real right so So now we have to take it like a so yeah quick shut it down shut it down it's getting too close to the you know so then they or at bring least in, want to swing to the other side of the pendulum. Yeah, or know? swing to the other side of the pendulum. Just to so, try and kind of counteract like yeah. this. So let's let's shut yeah. this one down. We'll start a new one, and we'll start this one with the grounds to to plan to debunk all of these. Right. Because um, if it's if it's if it's an objective truth, then it can't be debunked. You know, was, mm-hmm. was probably the thought process behind it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 that I want to get into that a little more here in just a few minutes as well when we start to get into. Uh, um, the actual project blue book and their uh, their directors because it went through several directors in the course of its uh right um there was many many different there was a lot of different leaders in the program um referred to as eras uh the first was the captain rupelt era the second was the captain harden era uh, the captain gregory era the major friend era the major quintanilla era but there's a few that we we really want to touch on a little bit closer because we kind of feel that it um, kind of sums the whole thing up for us. Uh, mm-hmm. The Captain Ruppelt era, the Captain Harden era, and the Captain Gregory era. Era. Ruppelt started it out. He was the first um, person in the. Um, he was the first leader of uh, Project Blue Book, and. He came, he was through the entire, the two predecessing um, projects. And in the first project, he was very happy with how things were going. People, they were being scientific. They were asking questions. They were learning and developing um, theories. Mm-hmm. And then in the second one, it seemed like they were um, limiting their actual effort to get to the bottom of the situation. Right. 
So when he became the leader of Project Blue Book, he made it very clear that he wanted to set up a um, a scientific process. And the reason it was named Project Blue Book was specifically because that was the same color that they had of books when they would do exams at universities. In, at right? universities. Yeah. So he he wanted this to be as thorough and as important as like a final exam at the universities. Right. He wanted us to really look into it, really learn and really develop. Mm-hmm. This um, seems like a guy that um, really actually of, cared about it. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think he was ahead of his time in that process as yeah. well. And, and from my understanding, he was very, very specific about who mm-hmm. he had on his team. Yes. If they were too pro or too con, mm-hmm. he got rid of them. Yeah, and that's the thing. He wasn't, he wasn't like, he didn't believe everything he saw, but he was very focused on making sure that he knew all the facts before he made a decision. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, let's let's actually analyze this. Let's not write it off right off the bat, and let's also not go on a crazy, crazy wild goose chase and believe every single thing that we see. Exactly. You know, let's try and figure out the facts here because, because yeah, this seems like to me like someone who actually truly cared about it you know he'd been through the the previous projects and to no avail you know mm-hmm. was really trying to make this one work so, so he was hoping that he he could turn this one into a successful project right how about the captain harden era i don't i don't really know a whole lot about the captain harden area era so i read into captain harden as well um i read into all three of these guys a little bit at least Mm -hmm. um and harden was very apathetic towards the whole situation um he didn't really care uh and in fact um written by rupelt um rupelt wrote that harden thinks that anyone who is interested in ufos is crazy and that they bore him Mm. now his predecessor is basically saying there this is a poor choice for the leader of this person that's supposed to be researching and really listening to these ufo cases well it seems to be the trend you know is you swing from one pendulum to the other just like with the previous two projects just like the presidents of the united states you know what i mean exactly it always swings from one pendulum to another maybe they felt you know the rupelt was way too pro you know, he was like, he, you know, he was just like really trying to prove the existence more than debunk it. Mm-hmm. Which so I don't believe. Like, I believe he was just more willing to listen to the stranger stuff. Right, right. He wasn't going to discount every crazy farmer that says something crashed in mm-hmm. their, their, you know, field or whatever. Um, but this guy was kind of like, well, this is a bunch of bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're like, oh, maybe this guy can really see through and, and get that objective truth, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but here's the thing with that. So. Um, during his time as the director of Project Blue Book, Hardin reduced the number of sightings listed as unidentified from 20 to 25% during the Rupelt era down to less than 1%. Mm. Now, for somebody that truly believes that these things were happening, I don't believe that 20 to 25% is an outrageous number for these things to not be Right. able to be identified yeah absolutely. and when you get it down to less than one percent is it you're re- just disregarding it at you're that just point. disregarding stuff yeah exactly that's what i believe i don't believe that there's you're only yeah. taking the stuff that has absolutely so much proof that it's something you can't explain mm-hmm. that you're like that you have to accept it right um 
Now he was he was only well, I guess none of them stayed for more yeah, than like three or four years. I was going to say he wasn't in there for very long, but either was repelled. I guess he was only in there from what um, Harden uh, Harden years. was fifty four to fifty six. Yep, and fifty six was re- when the captain uh, George T. Gregory took over. Yes, and George T. Gregory was a um, <clears throat> he was very anti UFO. Mm-hmm. He believed that everything could be explained. So, whereas Harden was apathetic, Harden didn't really care. Um, Gregory comes in and he says, "Everything can be explained. I'm going to, um, I'm going to debunk it all, essentially." Right. And from my point of view, that's not the kind of person you want leading a research project. Not even close. You don't want somebody that's already made up their mind. Yeah. At least, you know, Harden didn't really care. Yeah. You know, one way or the other. He's like, um, I'm just getting paid. I exactly. Guess. Um, so Gregory comes in and he's just decided that he's going to make this um make this more um more debunked. Mm-hmm. Um so swings we, even further away from swings it. even further yeah. away from the more so Gregory comes in and says, Here's what we're gonna do. We're going to upgrade these cases. Now, when I'm saying this, it's going to sound one way, but then let me get into the explanation of how it turns out. So he says, let's let's upgrade these cases from probable to, or from possible to probable, mm-hmm. and from probable to a certainty. So all these cases that are probably one thing or possibly one thing, now now they're now they're probably one thing yeah. even if it's just possibly yeah and how that turns out is it sounds like it's a good thing when it's first said right it's, coming from a guy like that though who just but coming from a guy like that that's UFO. made this decision so now if it's possibly a comment it's probably a comment yeah if it's possibly a balloon or probably a balloon if it's probably a balloon it's definitely a balloon yeah so we've made the decision that now we can take these these things where there's a there's a reasonable explanation but it may not explain everything about the situation Mm -hmm. and turning it into no that's the explanation right and and i'm okay with having a reasonable explanation i'm not against that but during the rupelt era at least he was like well i mean it's it's possible that it could be a balloon but it has some aspects of um of it that just don't match up with a balloon yeah well he just disregard or you know where gregory just disregards those aspects Mm -hmm. gregory's like that they must have been seeing things um that's not correct and it would light glinting off the balloon made it look like it moved across the sky faster than it really did but it Mm -hmm. didn't so it's definitely a balloon yeah it seems like to me um that the gregory era kind of kind of put the nail in the coffin almost for mm-hmm. the whole thing because it appears that as it goes through the the major friend era and then into the major uh Quintanilla era that uh, by the time it got to there it states here that blue book had lost all credibility by the time it got to him and then they then they closed it down so mm-hmm. um but you look at these ones and it looks like they're just they're they're not happy with they're not happy with what seems like the most well-informed and um, well-researched one. Mm-hmm. And they're like, this this person's swinging way too towards this being a possibility. So let's get somebody that's not going to swing that far. And they pull in Harden. Harden's yeah. like, well, 
he's not really interested in it and then you can tell he doesn't really care that much yeah. so there are people bringing it to his desk and he's like Meh. yeah so he's like crap we're not they're not going to be able to keep him in charge either right. for very long so then they bring in gregory and gregory is just like let's just come in and chop all these heads off yeah. and we'll we'll make sure that um everything is debunked mm -hmm. um we know what side he was playing on <laughs> yeah, we know what side he was playing on. Yeah. And from there, you get to a point where you you have no more credibility. Now, the American yeah. public or even the powers that be. Well, I think it was classified. I think it was top well, yeah, secret sorry, the now the Sorry, now the powers that be are like, well, now, now we don't know. Yeah. But you know what we do know or what we do think we know? It's not a threat to national security. All right. And, and, or that's uh, our official stance. No, yeah. Um... I think, you know, as you said, you know, they, you know, had decided it was not a threat to national security. But as we know, um, there has been huge links between UFO phenomena and, and uh, nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. Yep. Many, many occasions. Um, for example, starting with the obvious Roswell. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that was shortly after they had tested the, the weapons down there, you know, mm -hmm. and there was a huge amount of UFO sightings were down in the down in the four corners area. We take that and we take into the fact that we've never been able because they were trying to launch nuclear weapons into space. Mm -hmm. And according to one report, um, some high ranking mil military officer they were shooting a, a and, and I can't remember the name right now. It escapes me. But uh, I watched this on that unacknowledged mm -hmm. documentary. I saw that one too. Yeah, where um, the one guy was was talking about how they had, were, were launching a, a nuclear weapon into space, and this UFO came in, shot a beam of light at one side of it, came to the top, shot a beam of light at the top, mm -hmm. went around to the other side, shot a beam of light at the other side, and by that time the thing had tumbled out, and they have never been able to launch. Any nuclear weapons and into space. And get it into space. It's never happened. <clears throat> they can't do it. For some reason, it just doesn't, just doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Many of those attributed to UFO phenomena. Well, if you think about the possibility of at least getting something into space that's a nuclear weapon, doesn't seem that difficult. We've right. gotten, we get human beings into space safely. Mm -hmm. Why can't we get a nuclear weapon into space? Right. So it's, it's, something it's a, stopping it's a us rocket, from doing it. You know? <laughs> a <laughs> rocket is a rocket. It. A rocket's going to take it up into space mm -hmm. if we launch it right. Anytime there's really high levels of nuclear activity going mm -hmm. on, there's UFOs present. Mm -hmm. It's reported all in, on like the, the main nuclear facilities in the country. Mm -hmm. all have very heightened UFO activity around all of them, mm -hmm. much higher than the average. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. But there's less that you see when that's like a nuclear power plant. You still see right. some. I'm, but, I'm talking like nuclear weapons. But, you know? Yeah, and, and yeah. but that's a that's an interesting note to bring up, though. You still see some, but not nearly as much. Right. I heard stories of there being, um, seeing um, uh, UFOs at... Uh, the site in Fukushima mm -hmm. when that happened. Yeah. That makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. There's some sort of nuclear catastrophe about to happen. Maybe they're there to investigate and make sure that it's not going to go too haywire. Right. Or something of that nature. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, super interesting. So um, do you know about the case in 1967 
at Malmstrom Air Force Base, just outside of Great Falls, Montana. I've heard a little bit about the story, but um, most of that was from you earlier to the, today. So okay. Um. <laughs> hey, did you know that we talk before we come on the yeah. show occasionally? Uh, well, for those of you that I haven't been able to talk to before the podcast, um, which let's be honest, it's not very many of us. It's not very many. My my own family makes fun of me. <laughs> but um I'll never make fun of you. But essentially what happened was at this mil- at this um missile facility on this Air Force base um two military personnel noticed uh some lights floating outside of the front the the uh, out in front of the main gate, right? Mm-hmm. It was just kind of floating there, and they're kind of like it was just kind of it was moving. I think they described it around uh, forty feet or so in width, and uh, and it, and it was just kind of um, yeah, it was just floating out 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 in front of the out in front of the gate, and so they're kind of like freaking out, like what the hell is that? And uh, it wasn't doing anything; it was just sitting there. It was silent; it made no sound, you know, mm-hmm. just like a floating light essentially. And so one of the guys calls his superior at another location, and uh, and he kind of shuts him down, like, you know, call me back when there's something real going on, you know. And so shortly after that, this thing shoots off into space in an instant, bam, gone, mm-hmm. you know, shoots right up into the sky, and all of the power. The the power at the missile site drained so low that all of the 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 nuclear weapons that are stored there were all deactivated. Mm-hmm. So they had no access. They could not launch any nuclear weapons whatsoever. Is that a, a threat to national security? Oh, that this is a, during the Blue Book era too. Absolutely a threat you know? to national security. Wait a minute. So we were able this this system or this um, unidentified flying object. Sorry, bike passed. <laughs> this unidentified flying object was capable of shutting down our most powerful weapon. Just shutting it down. Just mm-hmm. saying, no, you're done. Shut the whole site down. Um, shut the whole site down. Yeah. Immobilized an entire weapons facility. Yeah. And we're saying to ourselves, nah, it's not a, it's, it's not nothing. a, <laughs> not really that. They're not going to, that, that has to be a coincidence. Yeah. So, um, one thing that's really cool is that I have my cousin, uh, who's recently out of the Air Force, um, was stationed at that Air Force base for six years. Now, this is current times. It's not back in, you know, he's, um, we're about the same age. And so he wasn't around then. Um, but um, I asked him about it, if he'd heard anything about it, you know, if he knows any, you know, being stationed there, you know, I figured he's got to have heard something. He had to have heard something, you know. He said, yeah, he said... I've I've read a few things about it, and I said, you know, I've got this podcast, and would you be willing to say something about it? Could you or would you, essentially? He said, yeah, sure. So, so I did get to see a declassified document that they had on it. Basically, at one of the MAF's milis- missile alert facilities, there was a, f- a light floating in front of the gate, and it hovered right in front of the gate for a while. Security forces all had their weapons pointed at it. And from what the documents said, they were terrified, and the power for the MAF started to drain rapidly. Um, 
which that power goes to all of the missile silos. The light just went straight up and left. At least that's all I remember from it, from reading from the document. Mm -hmm. But he goes on to say also when when he was there that um, there was always weird stuff going on. So, which is kind of, you know, heightened UFO activity we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier. Um, so it's not weird stuff like like he just finds people doing weird things. Well, you know, who knows? Like, like just like, I don't know. I don't just know. Just weird stuff. Maybe. But uh, <laughs> I think this is weird <laughs> stuff like walk, in the sky. Walk down a hallway and you look over and you're like, what are you doing, Tim? <laughs> Tim's like, Tim's Tim's like wearing like, eating, like a horse head and eating. Eating mouthfuls of Rice Krispie treats. <laughs> Through his horse head. No one Through knows. the horse head. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but um, where did that come from? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, but anyways, when, when he was there, you know, um, there was there was a lot of weird stuff that was going on that uh, he says that the, um, the security forces guys would always say that they would see three lights floating around in a sort of formation, but moving very strangely in a zigzag pattern. Hmm. Yeah. That they would see this apparently all the time. He never personally saw anything, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, you know, it's it's still things weird things are still happening at the same same facility. Well, I'm sure they are. You know, so it's uh, but yeah, apparently, yeah, it's uh, it, it caused a a huge panic because the power was completely gone and all of the missiles were completely deactivated. That's that's so, crazy. It's crazy. That's- that's terrifying. You know, this is coming from somebody who has served on mm. that base, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and if that's not a threat to national security, I don't know what is, you mm-hmm. know, that's huge. So I have a theory as to what that could be, and mm-hmm. it's just a thought. The only reason I can see them still saying after that fact that it wasn't a threat to national security, and there's only one thing that I can think of, is if somebody a little higher up you know, Project Blue Books, you know, like, oh, crap, we need to research this. What was it? Somebody from, you know, a step above them's like, hey, you don't need to worry about that particular instance mm-hmm. because that particular instance is not a problem for us. And if you're picking up what I'm laying down, I'm I'm saying, what if it's something that we had? Mm-hmm. What if we were testing our own our ability? Our own technology? Maybe. Our own technology, testing to see if we were capable of shutting down um, another enemy's nuclear sites. Mm-hmm. Um, that'd be a really handy tool to have in the middle of the Cold War. Yeah. Right? Hugely. So if we did have that ability, I can see us potentially saying, you know what? Just leave that one alone. Mm-hmm. Just leave that one alone. Yeah. So that's the only explanation. That's I the can only think. other explanation of why they didn't mm-hmm. scream and shout and be like, but maybe to hide mass panic. To hide mass panic is one thing. Because that would freak people out. Can but, you imagine if they came out on the radio and they were like, hey, guess what? A bunch of uh, uh, freaking aliens just shut down our nuclear plants. For one, they can't come out and say that because then that gets into some weird areas with, you know, nuclear war. You know, because yeah. like, you know. <laughs> when your enemy can just shut down your most powerful weapon, it's a little scary. It's a little <laughs> scary. And, just a little bit. And so, I mean, that was still, that was towards the end of Vietnam and there was so much unrest going on at that time anyways you know I was mm-hmm. in 67 mm-hmm. you know all that stuff was really ramping up huge mm-hmm. you know and um, between the war and civil rights and you know 
it was extremely um, there's a lot of turmoil in the country and if they come mm-hmm. out and say hey guess what our nuclear facility was just was just shut down and we had no control over it zero control over it there was nothing that we could do mm-hmm. come on dude you know they probably wanted to keep that secret forever somehow it got was declassified and, they, and it got out what other kind of stuff are they hiding you know well, that's true and but the other factor in that is project blue book would still be able to investigate it yeah they're still classified they're one of the highest levels of classification mm-hmm. that there was yeah so they would still be able to investigate it now that doesn't mean that they didn't investigate it they didn't come out with something and that particular file was just not released to us right which is well, you know they would hide it. that's what I'm, once that's what i'm saying is like they're not going to come out and say that this happened because that's a direct threat to national security and the last mm-hmm. thing anybody wants at that time yeah. Is a threat to national security. They can't come out and say, yeah, UFOs are a threat to national security because people are going to freak that fuck out, man. They're going <laughs> to freak out. That's true. You That's know? true. Um, it would freak me out if somebody came and said, you know what? We um, no longer have control over our nuclear weapons. Or, or yeah, or came, came to me and said, you know what? We no longer have control over our drones. Right. Our drone supply is now um, at risk to be hacked by north korea yeah or well we don't know we don't know who the one that hacked our drones are but they can do it and they seem to be pretty good at it yeah i would be terrified oh, and yeah. and i know that drones aren't our most powerful weapon we still have nuclear weapons it's the fact of of, of someone else like a a, a, a lar- you know some other force mm-hmm. being able to control us in the some US sort of government way. controls these weapons yeah I'm scared enough that the U.S. Yeah. government controls these weapons. Yeah. I don't want Kim Jong-un with this control. I don't want yeah. whoever the guy is in China with this control. I don't know Vladimir how Putin I, or something. I don't know how I feel about Vladimir, Vladimir Putin. Yeah. I think he's crazy, but it might not be such a bad thing. Uh, he might just be like, you shut up. We don't have problem. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Give me, <laughs> he's, give he's me like a, your Super Bowl ring. He's it's mine now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it does, it's the same side, you know. Um, we've always just kind of had like a distrust with, with Russia. Mm-hmm. There might be a lot of where it stems from, but I think that the dude's probably pretty unstable and I don't oh, want to piss him yeah. off. <laughs> no, no, that's not at all <laughs> you know? what I'm getting at. Yeah. The only reason that I say that is just because like he seems the more stable. Well, maybe China, but he seems the more stable. If I was going to say um, Putin or Kim Jong-un, oh, I want Putin in control. Um, um, oh God, I hope we never, never have to choose that. But I suppose, yeah, <laughs> I suppose, yeah, that would probably be the better option out of the two. <laughs> kind, of, kind of world are we living in? <laughs> it's, it is a crazy world inside my head, man. Yeah, um, but uh, but um, yeah. So it's uh, it's an interesting story. There was actually two incidents that were just days apart at that facility. So can I ask you a question real quick, though? I think you know what's going to happen. Yeah, go ahead. Did you add something to your cape? There's like a hood. It comes down over your eye. Okay, people, imagine a a, a large bearded man with a cape with a hood on it, and then like a little cowl comes down. It's a very, very masculine, like little red riding hood type thing. Yeah, yes, but like there's like a cowl that comes down over your eyes. Yeah. And it's for mystery. you know, my favorite part is is the hole that you've got cut in the top for your man bun. <laughs> my man bun. I don't wear a man bun. My wife would kill me. 
<laughs> that's why you've got the mask on. Yeah. <laughs> so she doesn't know it's <laughs> you. <laughs> added a little pocket up in the top where I could just like throw it there, and then when I go to, when I go down to East Nashville, I can blend in with everybody. Exactly. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, I don't wear a man bun. By the way, I do have long hair, but Mike, uh, Mike doesn't wear a man bun. No. But <laughs> He's got to make sure I that look that's damn, very I look, I look damn good with one, I'll tell you that much, but my wife would make fun of me. Well. Okay. She doesn't like them. So one thing that that we have to discuss, um, or one person that we have to discuss when we discuss Project Blue Book, is Dr. J. Allen Hynek. Mm-hmm. He's a very famous ufologist. Um, Dr. Hynek started out with, the, um, with Project Blue Book, and he was on the side saying i don't necessarily believe in any of this Mm -hmm. um he was a trained astronomer who served as a scientific advisor to project blue book was initially skeptical of ufo reports but eventually came to the conclusion that many of them could not be satisfactorily explained and highly critical of the of what he described as the cavalier disregard by Project Blue Book of the principles of scientific investigation. So once again, hmm. another person that's linked to this um, that seems to like lean starts to see that maybe there's something to these cases mm-hmm. um, sees that they're taking efforts to remove the actual effort to be scientific. Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry, I just think that that's what happened over time. Right? I think so too. I think I think yeah, they just kind of they started yeah, they just started disregarding the process. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, well, the process isn't working to de- um to debunk these things, yeah. so let's just or maybe it was bringing too much light. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think that was in a time when they were really wanting to hide a lot of stuff from the American people and could hide mm-hmm. a lot of stuff from the American people. Oh yeah. Not like today. You know, mm-hmm. it's a, a lot of things get out today. And well, and not only not even that, the highest, not even the highest stuff, you mm-hmm. know, gets out to the American people today. Can you imagine back then before mm-hmm. there was like, you know, Q mm-hmm. anonymous? <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, the best part about our, the modern world that we live in um, is that we have a, a facilitating thing of essentially what is supposed to be all human knowledge in yeah. our pocket. Yeah. So we have a bullshit meter in our pocket mm-hmm. um now that being said there's also a lot of bullshit there's also a <laughs> lot of there. bullshit in that bullshit meter yeah so we have to learn to root through that but it gives us more information than our parents and our grandparents had oh yeah when they were when they were being fed this information yeah. by the government yeah um as soon as something slips nowadays Boom. It's all over the internet. Yeah. Bam. Oh, yeah. It'll eventually Snowden? get taken down. But yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. But that's the thing. That's the thing. They have to call these people terrorists to yeah. to shut them down. They have mm-hmm. to basically say, oh, no, you are a threat to national security. Yeah. We need to shut you down. Mm-hmm. You're arrested and you're going to go away forever. Right. Um, yeah. Just like you brought up with, with Snowden, man. You know, yeah. it's that's insane to me that we think of him that way. You know, this this that guy's a hero man i think you know what i mean like he came out and he started telling us like your government is lying to you. your government is spying on you Mm -hmm. there's this organization that you don't know about 
that is spying on you. Literally spying on you. You don't know about it. This is an invasion of privacy. You're in the land of the free, and they are watching your every move. Right, yeah. Because not every single American read through the exactly the the finer details of the Patriot Act or wherever that came Mm -hmm. from, you know. But he's he's a he's a fugitive, you know. He's a fugitive. They're yeah. And um, that's that's crazy, you know. That shows you that there are secrets out there. And there are secrets that the there's government will go to great to go lengths out. to yeah. shut down. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that guy. He's lucky still he out. wasn't just possible? destroyed. Like yeah, he's lucky he just wasn't ended like JFK. Right. Unless he was part of the plan, man. You know. Yeah. To create this turmoil, to divide us even more, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's what's easier to yeah, control? Obviously, a broken, you gotta, you know, it's like, you know, let's all run to them to repair our broken humanity and our broken, you know, mm-hmm. country or something. I don't know. Yeah, let's, you know, which let's is, hire somebody that's not part of the broken system to fix the broken system. Let's hire somebody that's not part of. He's gonna drain the swamp. Yeah, he's gonna drain the swamp. He's he's not part of that broken system. We're gonna put him in place. He's gonna yeah. fix everything. Yeah, take it back to how we were in the 1950s. Yeah, because that's the modern world. You know, that's how we. That's how. The, that's how the world works now. It's a little more complicated than that, I think. So, Mister or Doctor Heineck, uh, he started out. He was skeptical. He was very skeptical about the about ufo encounters but towards the end of his career he's he's one of the most respected and well-researched ufologists that was out there Mm -hmm. um this guy really created modern ufology um for lack of a better way to describe him so with mr heineck um coming out and saying you know what i had to break away from them because they're not doing research they're just looking for ways to discount every situation Mm -hmm. it it's one more nail in the coffin of project blue book in my in my opinion yeah it's one more thing that clearly shows that somewhere above the level of the people in project blue book there was somebody in control and saying cover it up Mm mm-hmm cover it up yeah whether it's cover it up because most of this stuff is ours this is cia yeah well or cover it up because we have no idea and we don't want to freak the people out in any case it's cover it up yeah and at this point in our society when when we have things like the freedom of information act that should be bringing these things to light and saying no, we, we did cover it up. We thought we were protecting people, and maybe we weren't. Right. Fine. Like, yeah. Just say that. I would yeah. be totally happy with that and much more pleased with our government at that point. <laughs> yeah. Man, we're never going to have a, a freedom of information. I mean, that seems like a pipe dream to me, you know, because the government is very, very corrupt, you know. They're always going to hide something from us because otherwise they lose control. Mm-hmm. If we know everything, mm-hmm. they lose they lose their power. They don't have any power over us anymore, and they need that power over us. You're absolutely right. And you if know? you, they can they can justify it, and people do justify it. Well, the government well, yeah, can't tell us everything. Government yeah. can't tell us everything because things are matters of national security. Right. What? They can't. 
I get it. They can't tell us about their top secret aircraft. I get that. Mm-hmm. But you know what they can say? Hey, um, that is something we are working on. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. They can say that. Yeah. And the people will say, okay. I got my thumb up, by the way, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the and, mighty thumb. <laughs> and because if if the if I was part of the government and I or if I was somebody seeing something strange and a government official came to me and said, all right, something we're working on, that's all you get to know, that's all anybody gets to know that's outside of the circle, Yeah. but it's something we're working on, you don't need to worry about it, I will trust that that's a national security situation, that's that's yeah. a, a weapon or a tool yeah, that I mean, they're there's testing. A, there's a very fine line. I mean, yeah, they can't, they obviously can't come out and say things that the, yeah, that will endanger us, you well, know, and I get that from outside or, forces. or will give, yeah, like outside forces too much information. But yeah, but I mean, if when it comes to if it's a some random guy out in Iowa mm-hmm. that is seeing some strange light in the sky and he's reporting that to the media, the the president or whoever should be able to come out to the media and be like, that was something we were working on. That is all the information the public needs to know. Right. Well, because yeah, yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in the fact that in well, I'm a big believer in, in the possibility that a lot of these UFOs and all this are military flight operations. Exactly. And I'm absolutely, I, I hate yeah. to say it, but I'm absolutely okay with that because I do believe that we need to stay on the forefront of military technology. Yeah, yeah. In in current era. Yeah. Um, because we have people like Kim Jong Un and other people like that. Yeah, we I mean but, we got to protect our asses for sure. Exactly. But if but it's not it's not giving away too much information to say, hey, we got this. We know what that is. Mm-hmm. We know what that is. And we're t- that's that's us. That's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. No more research needs to be done on it. Yeah. Leave it alone. Um, and then the people that are actively trying to research it or actively trying to get more information about it. Those are the people that they go in and shut down, mm. you know, maybe a little bit nicer than, you know, maybe like, okay, now you get, you know, slaps on the wrist rather than, um, you know, right. years in prison. Like we told you not to mess we, around. We told you not to mess around, dude. <laughs> like, um, but I don't know. It's a fine line because, you know, like I'm, I'm a person who wants to know as much as we possibly can. And I agree with that. Um, but obviously there are exceptions. Exactly. You know, there are there there are obvious exceptions, but but when you shut y- it down UFOs to a point and like where all these questions are being made, yeah. Um it's hard to it's hard to take you seriously anymore and respect the government when yeah. they're lying to you on that much of a point. Yeah. If they were to just come out with all these different have like, some integrity of some kind. Have some integrity. Yeah. Exactly. Instead of lying about it, saying, "No, this is just leave it alone yeah we know what this is it's not a threat to you or the people of the u.s right the problem is is many of those things that they are testing or that they were testing back then were threats to the people of the u.s and they weren't planning to use that against the united states i don't think well i mean unless you're talking about things like mk ultra and other stuff like that. oh well that's a whole nother topic yeah i mean those were they actively tried during mk ultra yeah so but I mean, but I, I'm just saying, as far as like, you know, military technology and yeah. stuff like that goes, um, um, stuff like you know, 
yeah, MK Ultra. Those were there was a lot of weird stuff going on back in the day mm. for sure that they were doing. It, anyway, to the sorry to people, tangent but, on that, but yeah. have some integrity about it. And, yeah. and I don't think with Project Blue Book they had any any sort of integrity at all. They nah. did in the beginning. I believe that um, Ruppelt and Heineck had integrity with their research, mm-hmm. and then when they realize or when the officials realized that they were having integrity with their research and they were reporting things what should be correct mm-hmm. um somebody above them was like no we got to shut that down let's right, find yeah. somebody yeah, that's going to that's going to shut it down the military didn't have any more integrity then than it does now mm-hmm. or vice versa you know what i mean like it was just as broken then mm-hmm. it was just as broken then mm-hmm. you know there was false flags in those days i mean they, they were out openly lying to people mm-hmm. you know um you know that was shortly after you know I mean, I've been watching the Vietnam War mm-hmm. on Netflix, that that uh, ten part series. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. So I just my brain's flooded with like sixties stuff right now. But um but yeah, they were openly lying about stuff to the to, to people. And so mm-hmm. and, 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 and they were even before that, you know. So um that's why it was hidden, that's why it was lied about, and that's why they did not come out and say this is a threat to national security. And that, and that's why it got it got shut down. They're not gonna, they weren't going to spend any more money on it, you know. Mm-hmm. Like we got, we got other stuff we got to do. We're trying to get out of Vietnam, you know. So, yeah. getting back on Blue Book again, um, <laughs> we've gone back <laughs> and tangents. forth so many times. Um, what is the Condon Committee? Essentially, the Condon Committee is, for lack of a better way, the the fi- like we've said that's the final nail in the coffin. This literally was. This was what shut project blue book down criticism of blue book continued to grow through the mid 1960s nicap or the national investigations committee on aerial phenomenon their membership ballooned to over 15,000 people and the group charged the u.s government with cut with a cover-up of ufo evidence Hmm. following the u.s congressional hearings the condon committee was established in 1966 ostensibly to new or as a neutral scientific research body however the committee became mere mired by controversy with some members charging the director edward u condon with bias and critics would um and critics would question the validity of the scientific rigor of the condon report in the end of the con in the end the condon committee suggested there was nothing extraordinary about UFOs, and while it left a minority of cases unexplained, the report also argued that further research would not likely yield significant results. Hmm. So this refers back. That really the, did it. Hmm? That really did yeah. it. It seems. Yeah. And this refers back a little bit to some congressional hearings that came. Um, earlier in 1966 mm-hmm. um, about some UFO sightings in Massachusetts and New Hampshire in New Hampshire um, and these UFO sightings that really they really brought it to the the American people's forefront mm-hmm. so up until now there wasn't much knowledge of what's going on in the skies everything was isolated kind of controlled I mean people are asking questions but it's not there's it's not widespread yet and during these congressional hearings that's when it really became widespread the condon committee was brought together as a way to try to shut down 
that widespreadness and that confusion about what UFOs are. Okay. And really, it just put the last nail in that coffin. I mm-hmm. mean, it really did. Um, it, it once again, it went through the same basic process. It, it tried to um, started out as an attempt to be scientific, and then ended up just marrying itself. Um, down to a biased statement of, nope, nothing to see here. Nothing extraordinary about UFOs. Exactly. What the hell? Yeah. It's crazy, man. So in It's re- crazy. When, 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 yeah, I mean, it's just crazy um, the, that there's so much pushback. Mm-hmm. Why? And then once you the know? Condon Committee came out with that and, and published that report, essentially that was the end. That was when... Um, the Air Force was able to say, nope, it doesn't exist. Why are we running Project Blue Book anymore? None of this is a problem. Interesting. So so they shut it down to save taxpayers dollars and spend, um, you know, $400 million on a wrench. Um, (laughs) yeah. Um, interesting, interesting. Well, uh, I find this conversation disturbing, I think, you know, to me. It just feels like, it feels gross, you know, like. It It makes me question um, everything the government tells me. And I mean, I already did. We already, we always should. We always should, for sure. um, It makes me concerned for what they're telling me and what they're not. Yeah. Um, and that's a really hard thing. And I don't mean to. Yeah. If it's just something like extraterrestrials or UFOs, they can't come out and say that these things are actually ex- that these things actually exist. Now, I realize that that's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. But imagine things that are actually significantly dangerous to us. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Imagine the amount of things that we're not being told. I think well, that's what it is. is it's, that it's treating it's adults unknown. and educated. It's treating adults and educated people like children. Yeah. It's like. Well, that's how we're kind of thought of. You know, we're thought of that way. We've got We've got to be to, to the to the big to the high ups in the country and in the world. We're just we're just little little, little sheep down here. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're we, we don't have you know, we don't have any sort of real power to them you know Mm -hmm. they're controlling everything up top you know and we're just and we are we're we're just kind of the children you know be like yeah Mm -hmm. we understand you 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 are a person you have things you have you know a personality Mm -hmm. and but let the adults do the talking here Mm -hmm. situation so so let's get into the last portion i believe it's the last portion of our of our talk today otherwise we're going to go into like well over um project blue book special report number 14 um yeah let's talk a little bit more about that part okay um now my understanding of it is pretty limited um but uh we'll see if we can't get through the facts here um, it says here, in late December 1951, Rupelt met with members of the Battelle Memorial Institute, a think tank based in Columbus, Ohio. Rupelt wanted, to, Rupelt wanted their experts to assist them in making the Air Force UFO study more scientific. 
It was the Battelle Institute that devised the standardized reporting form. Starting in late March 1952, the Institute started analyzing existing sighting reports and encoding about 30 report characteristics onto IBM punched cards for com- computer an- analysis. Project Blue Book Special Report number 14 was their most massive statistical analysis of Blue Book cases to date. Some 3,200 by the time the report was completed in 1954, after Ruppelt had left Project Blue Book. Even today, it represents the largest such study ever undertaken. Battelle's employed four scientific analysts who sought to divide cases into knowns, unknowns, and a third category of insufficient information. They also broke down knowns and unknowns into four categories of quality, from excellent to poor. Cases deemed excellent might typically involve experienced witnesses, such as airline pilots or trained military personnel, multiple witnesses, collaborating evidence such as radar contact or photographs. In order for a case to be deemed known, only two analysis had to independently agree on the solution. However, for a case to be called unknown, all four analysts had to agree. Thus, the criteria for an unknown was quite stringent. Stringent. I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so in addition, sightings were broken down into six different characteristics. Color, number, duration of observation, brightness, shape, and speed. And then these characteristics were compared between knowns and unknowns to see if there was a statistical, statistically significant difference. The main results of the statistical analysis were about 69% of the cases were judged known or identified, 38% were considered conclusively identified, while 31% were still doubtfully explained. About 9% fell into insufficient information. About 22% were deemed unknown, down from the earlier 28% value of the Air Force studies. In the known category, 86% of the knowns were aircraft, balloons, or had astronomical explanations. Only 1.5% of all cases were judged to be psychological or crackpot cases. A miscellaneous category comprised 8% of all cases and included possible hoaxes. The higher quality of the case, the more likely it was to be classified unknown. 35% of the excellent cases were deemed unknowns as opposed to only 18% of the poorest cases. Despite this, the summary section of the Battelle's Institute's Despite this, the summary section of the Patel Institute's final report declared it was highly improbable that of any report of unidentified aerial objects represents observations of technological technological developments outside the range of present-day knowledge. A number of researchers, including Dr. Bruce McCabe, an American optical physicist formerly employed by the U.S. Navy and leading ufologist, who extensively reviewed the data, have noted that the conclusions of the analysis were usually at odds with their own statistical results. Displayed by 
displayed in 240 charts, tables, graphs, and maps, some conjecture that the analysts may simply have had trouble accepting their own results or may have written the conclusion to satisfy a new the new political climate within the blue book or within blue book following the Robertson panel when the air force finally made special report number 14 public in October 1955 it was claimed that the report scientifically proved that ufo's did not exist Critics of this claim note that the report actually proved that the unknowns were distinctly different from the knowns at a very high statistical significance level. The Air Force also incorrectly claimed that only 3% of the case studies were unknowns instead of the actual 22%. They further claimed that the residual 3% would probably disappear if more complete data were available. Critics countered that this ignored the fact that the analysts had already thrown such cases into the category of insufficient information, whereas both knowns and unknowns were deemed to have sufficient information to make determination. Also, the unknowns tended to represent the higher quality cases, i.e. reports that already had better information and witnesses. The result of the monumental BMI study were echoed by a French study by their GPAN, or Space Agency. That report, which stated that about a quarter of the over 1,600 closely studied UFO cases defied explanation, stating, in part, these cases pose a real question. When GPAN's successor, SERPRA, closed in 2004, 5,800 cases had been analyzed, and the percentage of inexplicable knowns had, unknowns had dropped from about dropped to about 14%. The head of SEPRA, Dr. Jean-Jacques Valesco, found the evidence of extraterrestrial origins so convincing in these remaining unknowns that he wrote a book about it in 2005. Huh, interesting. Um, I think that honestly just kind of, I mean, we could have brought that up earlier, more in the Mm -hmm. podcast probably, but uh, that just kind of, solidifies what we were talking about with Drew Pelt and everything. Well, I mean, if you look at, they they had evidence, clear evidence, and then they stated the complete opposite. Yeah, they came out and inaccurately Mm -hmm. stated the the percentage of unknown, you know, UFOs. And then the best part, the BMI, when they did their final report, seemed like they were pressured to say that it's not as big of a deal as it really was. And then even after that, the um, the Air Force, when they did their report on the report, it was like completely in- untrue. Yeah. Like they didn't even read the same report. Yeah, I'm definitely sensing a trend in all of this. But, um, but yeah, I guess that about wraps it up. I mean, that's that's that pretty does. that's pretty much the story, I think, with a little extra. Absolutely. Um, anyhow, yeah, make sure um, to check us out. On our Facebook page, um, we'll be posting a bunch of stuff there. All our, all of our episodes will be posted there. Um, we're on. Uh, we're on Google Play. We're yeah. on iTunes. We're on um, Stitcher. Stitcher. We're on all the major ones. Um, mm-hmm. In most of your podcatchers, we'll pull from one of those three major yeah. sites. So. Yeah, I use Podcast Go, and it pulls it pulled up you know mm-hmm. real easily. So I use Podcast Addict, and it pulls up just fine. Yeah. Um, 
so we're pretty much we're everywhere you know and uh, we've also got a patreon page so if you are the kind loving soul that we all know that you are um head over there and you know take a look so yeah please please feel free to give us some uh likes and reviews tell us how we're doing um give yeah, us some feedback. feedback feedback will help us develop and become better podcasters yeah we now kind of have an idea of how to do the process and how to get this thing done now we need some feedback on what is most enjoyed and what we can yeah. do a little bit better in our conversations yeah i think it's it's easier to to separate yourself from it when you're just listening to other people mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're doing it yourself it's it's a little different it feels you know it, it so is. we're, like, we're kind of we're you know we're just we're getting I started listen to with a lot stuff. of podcasts and i can analyze them all day long but then yeah. i listen to my own i'm like this rocks it's the best <laughs> podcast ever and i know i'm wrong it's exactly <laughs> what you want to hear <laughs> yeah so an objective point of view or a subjective <laughs> or whatever you know um a neutral point of view would be super helpful so uh and tell us your thoughts us give us likes and whatnot email on us. facebook email us yeah, at yeah, beyond terrestrial official at gmail.com mm-hmm. got a cool idea or whatever you want to hear us uh cover something definitely uh hit us up let us know so and i'm going to be trying to put more out there on our facebook page with just little questions and things here and there um please feel free to um join in join in the discussion um we want to create a community and we're hoping to um have some fun so yeah absolutely all right thanks folks we'll talk to you later thanks guys bye you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply see site for details even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.